Okay, let's pray and let's go. Here we go. Oh God, by your spirit, we're led into the wilderness of our lives, but grant that we are given the strength against any power of darkness so that we come to victory over evil with a single heart, serve you and you alone through him who was in all points tempted as we are, but did not fail, Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, how you doing? Anything? You got anything cooking? I should have five more books coming. Who needs a book still? Anybody? Yep, they're coming. The vicar's bringing them. One, two, three. I'm actually really counting whether I need to order more or not. Yeah, it was accidental, so I can't take too much credit. It's uh, from poking. Yes, right. It was from poking around in a bookstore. Um, there they were. I do too, because it's, you know why? Because it's doable, isn't it? It's a very practical, doable, sometimes we make it so complicated. It's just like, just do this one kind thing, just because it's the right thing to do, right? And it's a big variety. It is a big variety, yeah. Yeah, that's right. There, is there just one editor for the book? Like, did one person, you think, figured all those out? So he or she figured all that out on their own, which is very nice. Yeah, it's probably on that, well, it's good. Whoever sorted that out, that was really good. Okay, questions about anything? No? All good? All right, so here, here we are in um, you know, this great thing in Luke 11 where um, Jesus gives this very practical way to proceed with uh, your own prayers. So last week was the great kindness of... Uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer and gathering up into community and loving you and letting you pray for all sorts of things, and especially the escape from evil, which is always very nice. But then maybe we can press on to um, this next story, which is always a very strange story, and people interpret it all different ways. So you, you actually have it in front of you. You can look it up if you want in Luke 11, but it's the second bit. Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend... And you go to him at midnight and you say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door's already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Okay, so what's uh, what's going on there? How do you normally hear that preached, or how do you when you read that? What do you think about anything? I don't have the slightest idea. That's great. I mean, that's fine. Here's the thing, though. Kirby talks to me all the time, but she's not up, and it doesn't make any sense either. What's that light on? <clears throat> Coming to you. Yeah, it would have been a strange thing. He didn't travel at night because there were no lights, no guards. Everything was dangerous. But th- that may up the ante. You could read it the other way, which is if he traveled at night, it's kind of an emergency situation or something happened. So this is out of the normal. Everything is out of the normal here. Okay, so, so here's the thing. So just sort of work with that now. So that's, you have an emergency it's an emergency in some sense. Something happened that's it's out of the normal, right? Something happened. Everything is all bollocked up. So hold on to that. That may be important. Go. Oh, I was thinking that 
That's very nice. Okay, so okay, so good. This is just good to keep score. So we have something that approaches an emergency, at least something between unexpected and emergency, something that's for somebody else. Then over here we'll set the, can you pound on somebody enough to make them do what you want? So we'll just hold on to that, okay? Because that's often the way you hear the text preached. We're going to have to just talk about that. So emergency um, for somebody else, which is you classically hear as an intercession, right? An intercessory prayer. You pray not for yourself. Not I want a pony, they want a pony. Okay, right? <laughs> they need a pony. Good, they need a pony. Yeah, right, which is different than I want a pony. Yeah, let's hold on to shamelessness. We'll have to, we'll have to see what that... Shamelessness is... Um, as opposed to us, we, they, they had rules in the Middle East, like you don't go to somebody's house in the middle of the night and wake them up. Now here, you know, I get woken up in the middle of the night three or four times a week. Curfew's midnight in Wheaton. Did you know that? Yes. That's well after any normal person goes to bed. So the chances to be, you know, I should turn to my children and say, that's shameless. Learn something. Okay, good. Yeah, so the shamelessness is you've broken the social order, right? You've broken, you're shameless. You, you did something that you should have been shamed. Shame should have prevented you from doing it, but you did it anyway, which may then go to emergency and for somebody else. Yeah, it's the guy, he doesn't have any shame. No, I think it's, I think it's the guy knocking on the door. Because there's no shame in the guy being inside. Or you think you'd be shamed by not helping a visitor. So it could be the guy inside, too. So did I. Usually, usually, the, um, usually a pronoun goes to the previous, goes to the, he is his friend, and then the modifier is because of his shamelessness. So normally it goes back to the one just before. It's an explanation of the... Yes, the friend at the door is the shameless one. Yeah, usually no troubles, because you can read it both ways. But usually, it, usually it's just the pre, it modifies the last thing before it. Yeah. Yes, very nicely said. So there's you, there's this push and pull in life, right? I want to do something like stay in bed. I know that I should get up and help somebody else. I should stay with my kids who are in bed with me because they're all going to be awake and it's going to, yeah, but this guy's banging on my door and he's shameless. Thank you. Yes, please. Yes, but go ahead. Yes, which is the greater shame, right? Bailey is a genius of a guy. I mean, he's a, he lived there. He was a son of missionaries. Was he not the son of missionaries? Yeah, and grew up in the Middle East. So he did his first research. He would just take the Bible stories. He would go to Bedouin. He'd tell, he would tell the story or read the biblical story. And he'd say, you tell me what this means. And they would say, oh, this means, you know. And things don't change in the Middle East, you know. A thousand years is not very long. Two thousand years is not very long. So they would say, oh, yeah, this is what it means. So it would mean when a stranger shows up. And you have to think Middle Eastern like, Across the scrub, no water, no food, no light, no shelter, wild animals, you know. If, yes, if you don't welcome somebody. So it's incumbent on you to welcome somebody, and the great shame is if you don't care for them. So it could be that the shame cuts in a couple of different directions. There was a finger. Question? No? Yeah. He's at least as, yes, he is his, his, um, he's a nearby guy. 
So, um, so I don't know. If you were going to interpret the text, how would you bundle this up for you about your prayers? So you have to make it specific to your prayers. Because remember, they said, can you teach us how to pray? And then Jesus first gives them a prayer, and then he tells them three stories about saying a prayer. So what would that mean for your prayers? It is um, shamelessly persistent in some sense, right? Yeah, that's always an interesting text. That one is almost more clear because uh, Jesus tells you what the answer is. He says, you know, even this cranky judge who doesn't care about anybody, he'll get out of bed just so he can have his peace back, right? So she bangs on the door. Um, and, of course, all this goes to whether you can change God's mind about things you can and whether your prayers matter, they do, and whether persistence is important, it is. But think about it um, in a practical sense. Let's go back to Mary Lou's emergency Yes, you can do anything you want. I'm sorry, yes. Yes. Right. They do. Um, I wonder if you're the sort of person that can be persistent without worrying. <laughs> so maybe that's the, um, you know, maybe the persistence part is you're terribly interested in the proper outcome, but the outcome doesn't belong to you. Right? So do you remember, I really need this. Hey, how about this? I know, you, are you working on this? You didn't forget about me, right? But actually the confidence that the Lord will work it out. Sometimes we have very little confidence that the Lord will actually work things out. And maybe only after he's worked or we've recognized that he's worked about a dozen things out for us, then maybe we start to realize that you'll work. It's like your kids. Don't your kids doubt whether or not you're actually going to work it out for them? I mean, they do, don't they? Yeah, like they can. They just want to make sure that that's a funny joke. Keep me away from the coffee beast by putting the little bucket thing there. Go ahead. I'll go this way. Go ahead. Boldness, yeah. Bossily bold. Shamelessly bold. Right. Right. So let's try to read it as simply as possible. Yes, that's right. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to read it as simply as possible. So um, the first thing that happens is that somebody shows up at your door with an impossible demand. Right? Well, you don't have anything. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you. It is impossible. Give me a million dollars. But it is impossible. He doesn't have any bread. It's, it's an impossible demand. No, he doesn't have anything. Yeah, he said to him, suppose one of you says, friend of mine's arrived. I have nothing to set before him. It's an impossible demand. So here's the impossible demand. The impossible demand is you have a friend with cancer who wants to go Saturday to her daughter's wedding. 
I'm just going to tell you real honestly, there's nothing I personally can do about that. Okay? Now go through the other dozen prayer requests we had this morning for people who were sick. There's nothing I can do about it. I don't have any resources for you. Right? Although... I'm just reading it on the simplest thing. You come to my house, you ask me for bread, I don't have any bread. You come to me and you say, I have a friend with cancer. I'm not a doctor, nor am I the giver of life. We kind of think through all the things we ask for. You know, Emily's nice little prayer. She comes that her father would come to faith. There's actually nothing I can do about that, in a sense, right? It's impossible. I have nothing of myself, of my own resources in my own little house. There's nothing I can do. However, there is something I can do. What is it that I can do? Well, but stay with the, stay with the, yeah, you can pray, but see, you're too smart for the story, okay? So the first thing you do is, somebody comes to you and says, can I have a million bucks? Can I have a loaf of bread? Can you stop the cancer? Can you make somebody live? Can you make my dad believe? Think about all the things we asked for this morning. And the answer is, I have nothing to set before you. Of myself, I have nothing to set before you. What do I go and do, though? Or some bread. I have, some, I have a friend who has some bread. I know somebody who creates faith. I know somebody who answers prayer. I know somebody who gives life and death, right? But I know a doctor. But I know this is a story about... Being a facilitator. Yes, about being an intercessor. Facilitator is a little bit too t- t- 20th century, you know. They never... This <laughs> is a little but. But it is, it is a, it's about being a good friend. It's about being, uh, it's about being classically an intercessor. So you, you can't do anything of yourself, but you can go borrow something from somebody else. And of course, the person that you borrow from is the Lord. Yeah, but little baby Jesus. Yes, good. Yes, and that's the, this is the this is the great line. He's a friend of mine has arrived with a request in the middle of the night. It's an emergency. Everything is mixed up. I'm going to be shamed if I don't do it. He's shameless in asking. I'm going to be shamed. So you have this impossible thing. I don't have anything to say before him. There's nothing I can do about it. But what does he say? First he says, don't bother me, which is not a great response. Even though he has to get up and give him something, because of his shameless, he'll get up and give him whatever he needs. Right. Fulfill whatever it is. All right, just let, me, just let me pause you right there. So that's a very good insight. So you can't do anything. You can't do anything. So why do all these people keep appearing in front of you? You know, the great school people, the Christmas sharing people, your friend Mary Lou, the people next door. Apparently, they keep coming to your house and asking you for things. So why, why do they, so the question would be, why do they keep showing up? Why do they keep showing up? When you show up, and when they show up, what do you, what do, you do? And of course, it, this is a, you do, but you also, you also do more than that. You also, and this is, I shouldn't have, you do, but you also, you also pray for them. Do you not? You should be, yeah. Well, this isn't private confession, so we're just going to go with uh, what the answer should be. Um, how about this? How about this reading of the text? That God 
puts people into your life to teach you to pray. Crazy people. People that you can't really help. People that are beyond your can. People for whom you yourself can absolutely do nothing. So what happens when that in fact happens? I mean, let's just take, if you don't mind, I mean, yours is the perfect one. That is the perfect, you know, so this morning if you weren't at prayers, she has a friend whose youngest daughter is being married Saturday or Friday? Uh, A week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. So what day is this? This is Friday. So a week from Saturday. So eight days. She's in hospice. She's had cancer a very long time. She struggled dramatically. And the only thing she wants left, the only thing she has left in life that she really, really, really wants is to go to her. She wants to live eight days so she can go to the wedding. Okay? So that's the prayer you asked for this morning. So you come to your friends who you know. Here's what you know about us. There's not one of us in this room who can fix that. So there's a couple of answers. You're either a crazy woman, <laughs> right? It, there's, it could be. There's always a, you're either a crazy woman or you suspect that we might have resources that are beyond ourselves, right? So, you know, the guy says, I have nothing to set before you. Of myself, i got nothing to give. But it doesn't stop the person from pounding on you. So what do you do? You find a way to borrow some resources from somebody else. The way that you borrow resources from other people is to pray for them, right? So you say, what, and this is the best that we can do for you. We will pray for you. So we become the shameless people who pound on the door and say, we think it would be a terribly good idea for this woman to live another nine days. Because we're just sort of analyzing the situation, and what we think is really important is that she lives another nine days. That's fair, isn't it? Which is what then you all go home and do. Does that make sense? I mean, that's how the story reads. Somebody bangs on your door, I don't have anything, but the guy says, you know, I'm going to try to find something for you. He comes at midnight, it's an emergency, you know, lend me three loaves of bread, I don't have anything, my kids are already in bed. Even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, because of his shameless, he will get up and he'll find a way to give him whatever he needs. So basically, our task now, there's 30 of us here, 20 of us, our task is to find a way to give you what you need. The only thing that I can do for you over the next eight days is pray for you, right? Yeah, because you're sophisticated enough to do that. <laughs> because, you're, because you've lived this story your whole life, you see. So the, now you have to put yourself in the place of the disciples. The disciples are all proclaimed because they don't know how to pray. So they come and they say, what's the first thing about prayer? Say these words. What's the second thing about prayer? You can actually borrow things from God. Now, the, the thing is, the problem with you is you've grown up in the church, you see. So you've had this in you for, you've had this in you from forever. So your natural response is, I can't do anything about this, I'm going to ask somebody else. You ask us, you know that we can't do anything, but your confidence is that we're all going to ask too. It puts a tremendous amount of responsibility on the rest of you, right? Doesn't it? And it's part of the reason we publish the names and the prayers and the things so you can take at home, so you can actually pray for those people. So the second thing that Jesus says is, You actually pray for other people by borrowing from God. You're going to go get what you need to get from anybody you can get it. When it's a question of life and death, you see the Lord. When it's a question of Christmas sharing, you see Carol. (laughs) You see how this works? You know? Isn't this true, though? You find somebody who can, you find somebody from whom you can borrow things. Yes, please. 
Yes. Exactly, which is going to be the next story that's tucked in. The next story is going to be asking you should give. So we need several translations for shameless. Actually, you always start with the Middle Eastern translation, which is the great translation. That you do. You always start with the thing in context. But then boldness was a very nice translation as well. Persistent is a very nice translation as well. Somebody has to do something, right? So when you pray, you do something. What is it? You go find the answer somewhere. There are going to be different places. I'm, I'm just suggesting to you, there are going to be different places to find the answer. Life and death questions, there's none of us who have the answer to that, right? But frankly, other places that we do have particular, you know, coats and food answer, this is our coat and food answer right here. And other of you have other answers that you're able to give, right? But in the very first analysis, this is about going to God. Yeah, you're the food person. You know, but part of, the, part of the exercise is that God teaches you to pray by putting these impossible situations in your life. Does that make sense? I mean, one of the ways that God teaches you to pray is he makes these impossible demands on you. You know, um, most of a pastor's life is made up of impossible demands. And there's not, you know, um, my resources are limited. Um, you know, but what people need I mean, people don't always need my help. What they need is God's help. You know, people don't always need your help. They need your help to some extent, but what they really need um, is God's help, and you help them by praying for you. I think the text is as simple as that. Does that make sense? So really, this is an encouragement for you to be bold and to, to be persistent in your prayers. I mean, really, it's just a text about praying or not praying. You know how people, um, you know, Nike sort of stole this, you know, the just do it thing. But before that, well, there was just show up. You know this? If you have, tra- you know, personal trainers or they have trainers, the people say just show up. You know, you just got to show up. You know, and then you, it, the rest of it works out. Um, the difference between praying and not praying is the difficult thing. So Jesus puts these impossible things in front of you, and your response is meant to be simply to pray. So here's how to pray. And would you please, 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 please pray? And frankly, you know, um, not to pray is not to have faith. If I can be that um, bold, you know, people who don't pray, it's a real question about whether they have faith or not. In the way that people who don't do good works, it's a real question about whether they have faith or people who don't come to church, it is a real question about whether they have faith or not. People who say, I can do it on my own far away, I, you know, the jury is out at best, you know. Of community. Yes. Because, um, and they've even usually got some extra bread. They've usually got something, right. Right. And that's, that's also why we're part of, right. and he calls him friend. Yes, right. At the very least, a, forma- a formality, but it could be you actually are my friend. Right. And the, actually, some, oh, I'm sorry. go ahead. Yeah. Some of the friends, some of your best friends, are the ones you abuse most deeply, as you know, right? Yeah, right. In the middle of the night, they can take it. Yeah, because if people say no to you, it's a desperately degrading thing, right?
Let's do the next story, too, since you lapsed into it already. Okay? So I say to you, this is the third one now. So he gave you a prayer, and then he said, you know, um, here's a story about praying. Now it's just very bold. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Let's just pause right there. So, um, what do you do with that? Is that true? Sounds like Santa Claus. <laughs> it could sound like Santa Claus. Um, you must have lived in a particularly Santa Clausy house. <laughs> really? You should go to the Nelson's house. They have St. Nicholas Day instead. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but what do you do with that? Asking it'll be, because you've certainly asked for things you didn't get. You've actually been looking for things you didn't find, or or have you? What happens if, Marge, what would happen if you got everything you ever wanted? You'd be dead, yeah. It would be scary. If you got everything you ever wanted... Um, the danger of that is that um, you mistake yourself for God. There's probably at least one prayer you had over the course of your life that you probably shouldn't have gotten. Maybe. I mean, to, to expect to get everything you've ever wanted is to suggest that you know your way home all by yourself or you know your way home perfectly. You know, I can find my own way. So this is, um, I mean, I really think the best thing ever. I mean, the best thing I know is the Bernard of Clairvaux thing. When you pray, God gives you what you ask or something better. I mean, which is the other utter confidence of he'll never give you something worse. He'll always give you something better. So when you pray, he gives you what you ask. If you nail it, if you have the right answer, he'll give you what you ask. Say, you know, if you want to take the MCATs and score in the 99th percentile. If that's the right thing for you, then he'll give that to you. And if it's not, you know, then... But apparently it was. Apparently it's the right... Apparently it was the right thing. Oh, yeah. Death is the hardest. Right. And it's always easier when you're on the outside looking in. When it's your child or your spouse or your whatever. Um, that's very desperate at that point. Yeah, right. Not something will be given to you. Well, no, it's easy to give yourself that. Yeah, right. I didn't bring a Greek text down, but I'll go back and have a look at it. I wonder if because we're so um, goal-driven or we're so used to getting our way or because we're such overachievers or just because we're Americans, I wonder if we think, or maybe we're just, maybe we're prideful or maybe we're, success driven um, I wonder if we read the text is the, is, the, is the text about the praying or is the te- text about the answered prayer or maybe it's about both things but, but how do those things fit together I think we classically read this text as if I just make my request then the Lord will load up the station wagon and I'll get what I want I think that's how we, uh, how we class it. And you're sort of arguing against that, which may be a more mature way of reading the text. Well, I'm trying to also fit it in with the third one. Yes, exactly. Which is, 
Yeah, the, the, the story before is very simply summed up as say your prayers. Yeah, and it, I mean, you can't receive yeah. something if you don't ask for it. In a disciplined way. Yes, exactly. That, I think that's a, a more healthy... Yes, exactly right. Yes, I think that's the more helpful way to read the text. Right. Yeah. It's in the doing of it. I, I, I would suggest to you that our, our challenge is not... Well, I mean, I just, I'll just ask you. Is your problem that you pray, 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 pray all day long, you pray all day long, you pray, pray, pray all day long, you pray, and then you don't get what you want? Is that your problem? No. Or is your problem that you don't pray? I, I can't, I, you may be right, but I don't even want to go that way. I just, I just think it's a more basic thing of, you know, so you have, you get 24 hours times 60. How many minutes are in a day? What is that? Whatever that is, is it 1440? What is it? I can't, I used to know that. My question is, what percentage of your time today will be spent in prayer? And then what percentage of your time today will be spent in wondering why you didn't get things? It's just a curiosity, you know. <laughs> Question? Comment? Right. We're not to the end of this. Are we there yet? No. no we are, I'm just. I'm just holding off. I know. Is it, you know what, I'm, unfortunately, this, the thing I'm looking at doesn't have the verse. Is that, is that, is there anyone among you? Is that verse 13? Yeah, we, well, we, we're not all the way there yet, you know, but, but we can hold that, and of course, we, we do have to go there, and we can go there if you want. So let's just read the next bit. Um, if you're who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. I'm sorry, I missed a verse. Everyone who asks receives, searches finds, knocks opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give you will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil, and this was the, that's the key to the unjust judge, judge passage, remember? The bad judge will still give a good gift. Mm-hmm. So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Right? So, um, go. Go. So, what would you say about that, Thad? Exactly right. Right. Yeah, and you do have to read all the way to the end of the story. We were just reading more slowly, but the end of the story is... So, so here's the deal. The first story is... So the story starts, how do we pray? And he gives you the exact words how to pray. I mean, all you have to do is just, just, so here's the exact thing to say. As soon as you have the exact thing to say, what's your problem? You don't say it. You don't say it, right? Yeah, so then he, then he tells you two stories about just saying it. So they say, we'd really like to pray. This happens so often in the church. People say, we'd really like this. And you say, sure, here it is, A, B, C, D. Go do it. What's the difference between Jesus and everybody else in the world? He does what he's told. That is really the difference between everybody else, every other human being in Jesus. Jesus is the only person who actually does what he's told. 
Everybody else does some variation or nothing at all. So the disciples come and say, it's true, is it not? As I've told you, my friend with five or six kids, he said, the hap- how many kids did the Rawls have? I mean, he said, they have six kids? He said, the happiest day of my life was when I said, everybody get in the minivan, and they all got in. He's <laughs> like, he didn't know what to do with that. You know, they were just like, they all did what he told them to do. You know, you can relate to this four boy, four boy families. You say, you know, all walk in a straight line to the door. and this, uh, so, so here's the thing. They come to Jesus, as so many well-intentioned people do, and say, just tell me what to do. So Jesus says, sure. Say these exact words. And then the second story is, just say those words. And then the third story says, just say those words. Exactly. And the fourth story says, you're probably not strong enough to figure out even what you want, but... I'll give you the Holy Spirit who will. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do for you? You should know this from your catechism. Yeah, right. So he puts you together in a community, gathers, even as he calls your mind, gathers, draws you together, illumines, like tells you what it is that you should be praying for, and sanctifies, which means he forgives your prayers. So the Holy Spirit will strengthen you when you can't pray by your own strength, but you pray, you know, according to Jesus, guided by his words. You pray these exact words, and um, everything works out. And right? Right. And so if you have a problem praying, what sort of problem do you really have? You have a Holy Spirit problem. Right? So if you if you if you if you if you don't say your prayers, you know, part the problem that you have is is a Holy Spirit problem. And so then the answer is, now big finish, the answer is if you need the Holy Spirit, where do you look for the Holy Spirit? Or where is the Holy Spirit to be found? In word. in word and sacrament. Which is why if you have trouble praying, it's not the obvious answer, but if you have trouble praying, you go to the Eucharist. If you have trouble praying, Touch the water in the font. Remember your baptism. If you have trouble praying, read your scriptures. It's not obvious, but those are the things that prompt you, shape you, move you, strengthen you um, to say your own prayers. That's why, you know, it's such a casualty, you know, in some ways, living in our age without the discipline of the past, you know, a thousand years. I mean, Luther actually meant it when he said, when you get up in the morning, make the sign of the cross and say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As soon as you do that, you say, I'm baptized. You remember your baptism. The Holy Spirit is activated. And then you pray your prayers, whatever it is that bothers you. So you bring these things and say, could you solve this? And you give them to the king and you borrow for your friends. And then you say, you know, this little prayer, I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, my dear Son, that you kept me through the night. I pray that you keep me this day from all harm and danger, from sin and every evil, right? And then off you go to your work. We, um, I can just tell you, I, well, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you my first day at St. John. Almost my first day at St. John, somebody came up to me and said, um, the stuff I can't even remember, I should write a book. Somebody came up and they'd work with the kids. And I said, do you work with the kids? I said, yeah. I said, are you going to keep working with the kids? Yeah. And, I said, and the guy said to me, I'll, yeah, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep working with the kids, but I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to teach them that damn catechism. Um, along with my several other Welcome to St. John stories I can give you. <laughs> but um, 
like when the next door neighbors didn't bring me a bundt cake. Did you know this? When I moved into the parsonage, it was in such disrepair. The next door neighbor brought me a list and said, you've decreased all of our property values. And if you don't get this fixed right away, we're calling the uh, health department. And we're like, welcome to the neighborhood. This is true. <laughs> this is a true story. It's like, welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, we're like, okay. So, um, you know, here's the thing. The problem with that is I was probably the last generation. I barely learned memory work. Nobody younger than me learned memory. Did you learn memory work? Yes. Did you? Depending on where you were. Well, your dad's a pastor. You're like completely <laughs> off the grid. You know, that doesn't count. You're, that's a skewed reference. Hardly anybody learned memory work. Well, what's the problem if you never learn memory work? You don't know any memory work. Yeah, right. <laughs> So when you're supposed to call on all these things, you know, they're not in your head anymore. The reason you can say call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify is because somebody actually, yeah, my, my, my grandma, the only one in her confirmation class, having to answer all the questions by herself in front of the congregation in German. Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. All 168 of them. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, see, see that's, where, that's right where we got soft, right there. There's the church's troubles right there. So, I mean, the thing is, is the point is, is, you know, and par- you've heard us talk a lot about this. I mean, part of the point of restoring discipline is not because you're bad and we want a finger wag. Discipline is your friend. Chaos is your enemy. Discipline is your friend. To wake up in the morning, make the sign of the cross and say your prayers, that's your friend. To come to the Eucharist in the morning, I know everybody can't do it, but to come to the Eucharist in the morning, that's your friend. It reboots your day, your life. To come to church on Sunday, that's your friend. It's the salve you need for your, for your heart. Otherwise, you don't know how to pray. You don't know how to live. You don't know how to borrow. You don't know how to go to the king. You don't know how to do anything. And when you don't know how to do anything, you are at the mercy of, you know, every evil wind that blows through, the, through life. It's, we don't tell people to go to church because we dislike them. We tell them to go to church because we like them. We tell them to pray because we like them. Yes, please. Yes. 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 That is exactly right. That's true, too, by the way. That's also true. But, you know. Exactly. And the other thing, and just to push your answer forward, so that's a very great answer. And the other thing is, is you also, if you live a disciplined life, spiritually disciplined life, on the days when you don't have the answer, you don't say to yourself, it's because I've never studied, because I've never prayed, because I don't have it. You actually say, whatever the answer is, it's a mystery beyond my resources, life and death, and you'll live the next eight days knowing that nothing happens outside God's hands, right? Which is a very different way to live from people who, that's why the Adelhelm funeral, you know, it was a blast. And the reason it was a blast is because of Kate and Paul. It was a blast. It was easy. It was fun. It was personal. Why was it that way? And you know, the whole family, it was great. Why was it that way? Because they're church people. And they're committed and they're always here. And they don't complain and they're loving and they help everybody else out and they pray and blah, blah, right? It's it's easy. So you face this huge thing and it all comes together. Yes, it's sad. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, it's painful. But it all comes together. Why does it all come together? And just a week later, you can say, that was fantastic. Why is that? Because they've always lived in the discipline. So we know exactly what to do. And then when we're challenged with things that we can't control, 
we know the same God who stood by us in the normal discipline thing, say this prayer. Make your request known. When you come to the things that are too big, the death of a child, the death of a spouse, you say, the same God who cared for me here, it's not because I haven't paid attention. It's because I'm not Lord and Master of all things, including death. But in the mystery of death, the Lord will stand by me. See, And that's the way life is meant to be lived. And the last, you know, a hundred years is a horrible mistake in the church because all it's done is chip away at discipline. And the great sadness of that is all kinds of people have no resources to go forward. Now nobody has the resources anymore to, to spout the catechism off like that. Absolutely right. 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 It's the same with the liturgy. I met with Don Kretschmer last week about, and he said one of the great things about having a liturgy, the same liturgy every Sunday, is what? People who are developmentally disabled, what happens to them? And they get to play along. So they get to be a full participant because it doesn't change every week, right? And it's the same for old people. Older people, when they start to lose it, Sing a hymn to them. Because what happens? It like it just all just comes right back. So you say the Lord's Prayer. One of my great, all right, I got to go, and then I, I got to tell you one story, and then I got to go. I went to see Ann Snap. So here's all you need to know. I was in Ann Snap in moments only. I went to the nursing home. There were six women sharing a room, you know, roughly this big. They're all in beds. And, um, it's dark because nobody opened the shades. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They're all kind of curled up in the fetal position. And Mary Chapin Carpenter, MTV is on singing, she's an American girl. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so I'm walking in, you know, and I, like, so I have six women in a fetal position. Now, Ann Snap went to the nursing home because she jumped off the bridge into the river in moments. And then when they fished her out, they took her right over in there and said, you can't stay at home anymore, Okay. So, you know, I, and this, I was very new, and so I went to her, and I, I, you know, I actually wore a collar, because collar is like the liturgy, is like the, like everything else, people recognize that. So she's in the fetal position. I get down really close to her face, and I said, hey, she said, she said, I said, hi, Ann, I'm your new pastor. She said, I figured that out. And then, <laughs> then I said, um, then I said, now she's, you know, comatose most of the time, you know, so I said, I figured that out, and I said, um, I said, I brought the Lord's Supper, I said, do you know that this is the body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, she said, she said, if, it, if I didn't, I'd have kicked you out by now, <laughs> this is how your, your sort of initial calls go with people, you know, that was the first and only time I ever communed her, we had the, you know, that was my first meeting with her, I never again roused her, she never again came to, she lived a couple more years, and then we buried her, but, you know, those kind of things that just is like, you know, your last known address is jumping off the bridge, and then they put you in the nursing home, and you curl up in the fetal position, and you lie there for about four years, which is why I've told Kirby, in retirement, I want to move to Venice. So when that happens to me, I fall into the canal and drown, <laughs> because, you know, that's a better deal. There's, you know, there's nothing like, like in Venice when they put the coffin on that boat, and you see it sort of chugged down the canal. You know, you're, that's going to be fine. So um, anyway, the point of all this is, Discipline is your friend, not your enemy. Chaos is your enemy. Chaos is your enemy. And so this is an encouragement to say your prayers. Why? Because you have to? Because you're supposed to be a good girl? No, you say your prayers because it, 
It brings beauty into your life. It brings resources. It brings the touch of the Holy Spirit. It teaches you how to pray so that when you get all jammed up in an evil world, you actually know what to do. That makes sense? It just makes sense. It is just you how... So you can live through the next eight days knowing that everything is okay. It's all okay. She's going to live eight days or she's not. If she lives eight days, it's going to be great. If she doesn't live eight days, it's going to be great. Right? That's the answer to the prayer even though we've expressed our preference, right? But you can only say that because you've grown up in the church and she's grown up in the church. To people looking from outside, they think you're nuts. But sometimes inside the church, you know more than other people. So rejoice in what you know, right? Make sense? So don't abandon the discipline. Say your prayers. Work on it over Lent. If you don't do it, try to get started. When you fail, forgive yourself. Try again. And it's, it's good for you. All right? All right, good. Let's pray and go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.